Amen. You may be seated to hear this morning. Amen. Isn't God good to us every moment of every day? And guys, thank you for allowing me as your, as your pastor to have that moment as Papa, as uh, Michelle and I, I get to be with our family and dedicate our children. And, and I want you to know that if you have a child, a baby that you would love to have dedicated, bring them on. Let's dedicate our children to the Lord. Amen. And so, uh, and again, I want to say to the Pitchford family, it's great to have all of you with us here this morning. My mom and dad driving in and, and of course, all of our family that's online and all of our church family that's online this morning. It's great to have you. And it's so good to see every single one of you. Get your Bibles. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter number 16. Now, the title of my message this morning is simply Eternity, Preparing for Life After Death. Now, I want to tell you, this is not a brand new series. This is just a standalone message for this particular Sunday. In my prayer time, when I felt this is where the Lord was leading me, I was like, Lord, really? Baby dedication Sunday, you know, family here and, and guests. And, and really, that was just my way of saying, is there another subject that you would like me to speak on? Because I'd be more than happy to. And not that I'm afraid of eternity. It's just that if you know me at all, I want you to smile. I want you to have joy. I want you to have life. You know, I want to bring that word that's really going to just pump you up and get you going. And when I come out and say, we're going to talk about eternity today, life after death, no matter how big I smile, you're looking at me like, oh, okay, woo-woo, you know. And so, but really, just in that prayer time, the Lord says, hey, this is the word. This is what you need to speak. And you do want the people to be full of life. And you do want them to be full of joy and blessing and abundance. And more than anything, you want everybody to have a mind of peace. So this subject is very important for every single one. Now, I never know who it's going to reach out and grab a hold of, but today in our early service, we've already had one except Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So yeah, we praise God for that. Amen. But let's go ahead and jump into it because we know that during these past several months, and we really, Michelle and I, we don't want to dwell on the past several months. We learn from them, we grow from them. But in these months, this topic has come up often. Now, obviously, with the pandemic that has taken thousands of lives, many of minds have pondered the thought, believers and non-believers alike, you know, what is the next step? What does eternity mean for me? Is it really there? Is it really true, you know, what the church says? Is there a heaven? Is there an eternal hell? Is there things such as this? And it really is a big thought. Now, some families during this time, even in our church, have been faced with the startling words as the doctor has come out. I did with, you know, Ronnie and Cindy Cohen. Thank God she is healed from COVID and God has done an awesome work in her life. But there was that moment where it's like, Ronnie, hey, you need to be preparing yourself. You need to be preparing your family for what possibly could happen. Now, those are not the type of words that one wants to hear. Again, when we think about eternity, obviously we're thinking about death, and death is a very somber thought. Now, just to have a little bit of fun with it, I have seen uh, different age groups tackle this subject a little bit differently. You know, for young people and young adults, and even I'm going to put myself in the middle age category at age 49, you know, we probably think about it a little bit more than the young people do, but it's really not the subject of the hour. Like when they gather and they're playing games and they're having pizza, someone's not going to be at the table saying, hey, let's talk about the last funeral that you've been to. You know, that's usually not the subject that you get to. Now, I have learned 
as you get older and just learning and growing from the wiser crowd and the older crowd, the closer you get to that ripe old age of 70, 80, 90 or more so, you tend to approach this topic a little bit differently. You sit around the table, you got some beans and cornbread, you're ready to go. Say, hey, did you go to so-and-so's funeral this week? No, but I didn't. Did you go to other? I heard that brother and brother passed away, you know, the other day. And then you're like, you know what? I think so-and-so, I think George doesn't have very much longer to go, you know? And so we start to, you know, you're just talking about that subject. Then the next thing, you know, we're all talking about all of our illnesses and what's wrong with us. You know what? I don't feel too good. I think I'm going to see the Lord, you know, someday soon because I've got this aching pain. Now I'm having a little bit of fun with that. But I just say that because everyone tackles it a little bit different. When you're young, you don't want to think about it because you got your whole life ahead of you. When you're older, it's natural that you think about it because you got a big chunk of your life behind you. So there's no, certainly no right or wrong in any of that. It's just a big thought and we tackle it in a lot of different ways. Well, today I want to tackle it in a way just to help you understand the reality of eternity and that it does exist, and that it's going to be a place that all of us will end up someday in eternity. So that's where I want to take you for the next few moments. I will tell you this. For every single believer here today, death should not be something that we fear or something that we should focus on in itself, but it should be something that propels our thoughts on what eternity will be like. I believe that the scripture wants you and I to have an eternal mindset as we live here on earth. Now, can I tell you right out the gate, I believe you should approach every day with the best ability that you have within you. You should thrive in life. You should want to wake up every day, go out, enjoy the blessings of God, put your hands doing what God wants you to do, live your life to the fullest, live your best life in Christ, have that and be running for that, be obtaining that, all that God wants you to do, but at the same time, having in your mind this eternal mindset because there's so much value in in that. We can go to what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He tells the church in verse number 16, he says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small, they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and it will last forever. He goes on to say, and many of you know this in verse 18, so we do not look at the troubles that we see now, Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now, they will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see, those things, those things will last forever. So the Apostle Paul, he's encouraging the people, encouraging the believers to have this eternal mindset. He also writes the church in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or whether I die. And Paul goes on to say, for to me, living means living for Christ, but dying, that's even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which it is better. So he has this desire, you know, he wants to do the work of the Lord, but he sees nothing wrong with going on and being with Jesus for all eternity. So he says in verse 23, I am torn between these two desires. I long to go and be with Jesus Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, for the church, it's better right now that I continue on and that I live. So he understood what he needed to do, but he had this desire inside of him, no 
knowing that heaven was so much better than this earth, knowing that being with Jesus, there's nothing more greater than that, knowing that he could get away from all the turmoil and all the challenges and all the physical and mental and emotional beatings in which he was having to go through day after day after day. I mean, he's been running the race. He's been fighting the fight. You and I, we know much about his life, but he continues on and he says, you know what? For me to die is gain, but to live is Christ. And so if that's what Christ wants me to do, that's what I will do. So what you see here is the two sides of the Apostle Paul. He's living for the moment and living for the hour, and he's given his best in doing so, but he also has this eternal mindset. Now, here's why I think that is significant. Eternity in mind helps you and I stay focused on the purpose God has called us to walk in as we live each day in Christ. In other words, when I read scriptures such as these, I see this, my present troubles are not going to keep me from serving the Lord. My present circumstances will not keep me from praising my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The toxic culture will not keep me from lifting up my hands and my voice to Jesus Christ. Amen. A pandemic, a sickness, this that's going on around us is not going to keep me from loving Jesus and giving him all of my worship and my praise. My present circumstances, they're going to be short-lived. When I really think about it, Time doesn't matter in all eternity. Time matters right now, but it is very short term compared to what eternity has for me. My present circumstances, they're not going to steal my hope. They're not going to steal my joy. And they're certainly not going to steal my purpose that I have in Christ. Now, also, when I read this, I see that eternity in mind helps us not to lose sight of the finish line. I've used that term a few times in the last few weeks. Can I tell you, we're going to get to the finish line. Amen. We're going to get to the finish line and God is going to be with us and we're not just going to be crawling across it. We're going to just run right past it because God is on our side and just as the songs we've sang today, he has given us victory. Philippians chapter three, verse 14. Paul writes, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus, he is calling us. So I thank God for all these scriptures that help you and I propel our thoughts to having an eternal mindset. It is incredibly significant. Now again, the subject today, it might land a little bit heavy at first, but I got to promise you that is not my goal. My goal is not to give you a heavy word. My goal is to give you a word that gives you life, to encourage your spirit, to embrace the life that God has given you, and to embrace the promise that there's so much more for you as you continue on in him. But here's what I want to start out with as I think about eternity. One of the concerns that I have in the culture we live today, and this is just personal concern of mine that I see as a pastor and also just as a believer in Christ, is that our culture has almost dismissed the reality of the two sides of eternity. It seems as though no matter how one chooses to believe or walk in this life, everybody, it seems, so online, make sure you're listening, it seems as though everybody thinks that everyone's going on to something better. That everybody has this idea of heaven, this, this some type of perceived heaven. The idea that there are no consequences for living a life outside of Christ, it's becoming increasingly uh, this common view that you don't have to worry about that. It is rare, it is rare that I hear of anyone, you know, really talking about the other side of eternity, which is condemnation, which is hell, which is judgment. Because why? I get it. People don't want to talk about it. 
I understand. I understand. It's a heavy subject. It's a heavy thought. And there's this compassion and mercy built inside of all of us. And I know you. And even if I don't know you that well, I know you that you're going to say you don't want anybody to go into eternity in hell. That's not inside of a good person's life, especially inside of a believer. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't even want to look at the other side because you want everybody just as Christ to go to an eternity and spend it in heaven. That's our heart, and I know that's your heart. But at the end of the day, what we see is there are many that have just kind of taken this thought that, well, all it is is heaven, and then there's really nothing else for anyone else. But I believe the scripture gives us a little bit different picture. Again, I know the thought of an eternal hell. It's unpopular. It's uncomfortable. But when I really think and ponder it, because I try to listen to what people say, and I try to listen to what others are speaking, and I got to tell you, I cannot help that when I read the Word of God, and when I allow the Word of God to speak to me, you cannot help but see both sides of eternity. I mean, if hell was not real, I have to ask this question. What is the purpose of Christ? What is the purpose of the cross? What is the purpose of the gospel? What is the purpose of the church and the church coming together? Now, obviously, there is so much benefit in belonging to a church. There's family. There's fellowship. There's encouragement. There is growth. There is blessing. There's meeting the needs. There's speaking into the community. There's being an influence to the community. There are a lot of incredible positive things about being involved with a church. But we're just not another social group. We're not just another social organization. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And so our heart is to do what? To proclaim the gospel of Jesus. To see that people's hearts and their minds are right with God. That they know him in a personal way and that someday when the lights are turned out here on earth that they're going to have an eternity with Jesus Christ. That is the heart of the church. Bottom line, that's who we are. Strip it all away and it comes down to this one thing. We're all trying to prepare ourselves to spend eternity with Jesus. Amen? So we can't shy away from that word. And again, instead of that word being heavy, and I'm just telling you how it hit me, it may hit you completely different. But when I hear this word, it first off came kind of heavy, but there was correction in my prayers because the Lord and the Holy Spirit began to correct me because saying, don't look as eternity as something bad, but bring the life out in it. Bring the joy out in it because when you know your eternity is ready to row, how much peace does that give you, right? Because there's a lot of peace when you know that your heart is in the right place with Jesus Christ. Just for a moment, I want to take you to a passage in Scripture where Jesus helps us to grasp the reality of eternity and the two sides of it. This is a parable. It's a story of Jesus. So I do not take it literally that this is what heaven and hell would look like, but he is driving home the point to his listener, the reality of both sides, who goes, who does not, and he's really specific. He's speaking to the Pharisees. If you back up in Luke chapter 15 in a little bit, you will see that they continue in their unbelief. They continue in their doubt. And he is telling them, you have been given so much. You have been given the truth. You have been given so much to bless others, but yet you doubt. And yet you do nothing with it. And yet you are not a wise steward of what God has given you. So he continues to speak to them as they doubt. And here he gives them a glimpse of eternity. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. It says, Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus 
who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and they would lick those open sores. Finally, the poor man died. He was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man, well, he also died and he was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish and in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us and no one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. It's something when you see reality, when reality gives you a check and, and shows you the truth, it's when, what's going on, your, your heart begins to change. But for here, we see it's too late. Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and they will turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and if they will not listen to the prophets, then they won't even listen if someone is risen from the dead, which the miraculous power of Jesus Christ has been going on all around them. People have been healed, delivered, and set free. The truth of God is being spoken you can obviously see something is taking place, but yet they still doubted in their hearts. When you read this story and you take a close look at it, you understand that the rich man, he represents the unbelieving Jews, the religious leaders, the Pharisees. You understand that Lazarus, he represents the Gentiles, those who are despised, those who are rejected, those who are poor in spirit. And so Jesus, he continues to speak to them and he's trying to get them to think about eternity. He's trying to get their mind off the temporal because so many of the Pharisees and the people of unbelief, their mind was on the temporary. Their mind was on what they could gain in this earth. And now he's trying to show them that there is so much more and that eternal life is real. He wants them to have an eternal mindset. Now, with that thought, I would ask the question this morning as I continue on for these next few moments, are you living with eternity in mind because church can I tell you that's an important part of your life because it helps you it works within it works in your mind it works in its in your spirit and it helps you each day to focus on what Jesus would have you doing now obviously we see in this story that decisions in this life have much impact on what's going to happen in the next can we just take a moment and let's compare these two lives just real quickly here look at the rich man clothed in expensive fine purple linen had a feast each day, walked around in good health, had a luxurious home, wealthy, known, had everything he could want and possibly more. He had enough to even help others if he had chosen to do so. And I read this, and I think it's important. He is considered a sinner because obviously he doesn't go and spend eternity with Christ, but it's not because of his wealth. It's not because of his wealth. It's because his heart was not in the right place. His heart was on the temporary. He had not taken what God had given him and using it wisely. He was a sinner because he had no relationship with God. His attitude seems to be, why should I even need that? I'm okay on my, mind, on my own. You see, when I read this, what I see is his mind and his heart. They were just on temporary things. 
temporary things. I know most of us in here probably wouldn't say, oh yeah, that's where my mind's at too. We wouldn't, but how often do we live each day with our mind on temporary things? And those temporary things hold us back from being where God wants us to be. Now, in living such a way, he had no thought of God until it was too late. He wasted an opportunity. Perhaps his greatest wrongdoing was that he did nothing with the opportunity that was before him. You see, I truly believe if he had accepted Christ and the word that was given to him and he had taken the blessings that God had given him and blessed others, that's what God wanted him to do and God would have blessed him even more so. We see that in scripture, but yet he couldn't get his mind off the temporary. Lazarus, on the other hand, clothed with rags, sores, crumbs, one of them from the rich man's table, crippling, suffering from a tormenting disease, each day having to lie in the dirt, lived a life of misery, only had what others gave him. But yet the picture painted lets us know that he was a man of God and not because of his poverty, but because he had a relationship with God. His attitude seemed to be that God is my hope. You see, for this man, his mind was on the eternal. Now, something interesting, but not to get too caught up on, is that this is the only story where Jesus calls someone by name. And he says, Lazarus, which is a form of the Hebrew word, Eleazar. And it means, God is my help. So Jesus here, he's emphasizing the relationship with us and how even in our weakest moments and even in our misery and even in our darkest hour that he cares for us and he knows us by name. John tells us that, that he is the shepherd and he knows his sheep and the sheep know him and they know his voice. And so we know each other and that's what we see in this relationship. The rich man, his name is not mentioned because that was not what was significant. But Lazarus, it was because what he is trying to get across is, is that no matter what happens in this life, God God is our help. So keep your mind on the eternal. I got to tell you, when I was thinking about this story, these are questions I ask when I'm studying. I'm like, why did there have to be such an extreme? You know, I, have, I ask myself, and I'm not questioning the Lord because obviously it's the anointed word of God. But I'm asking, you know, why a guy in poverty? Why a guy in sores? Because if I'm reaching out to someone about Jesus Christ and the life in Christ, the last thing I want to say is, let me tell you about Lazarus, a miserable man who laid outside the gates in the dirt and had sores and dogs looked him throughout the day. You know, I don't want to tell you that because that doesn't sound like a very pleasing life in Christ. But the answer that I get in my prayer time is that what the Lord is showing us is that no matter what's going on, because I don't know what's going on, but God does, no matter how dark no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, how challenging, how ugly, how evil, and what you've had to go through and what you've had to endure and what you're enduring now, no matter what, God knows your name. He knows where you're at. And the most important thing is, is that you have a relationship with him because everything you're facing now, it is temporal, but a day is coming when you will walk with him for all eternity. So don't let the temporal keep you down. A few weeks ago, Michelle spoke a beautiful message. She talked about how God permitted everything to happen in this world. She talked about the free will and the free choice of man. A question was posed to her, a very good question, because it's questions that I have thought of. Well, if God permits everything, then why does such evil happen? How is it that families can be hurt, that people's lives can be unjustly taken, that there can be murder and there could be child molestation, and there can be sex trafficking, 
And there can be methamphetamines and drugs that are ripping people's lives apart. Why? Why? If God permits, are you telling me, Mrs. Pastor, that God permits all of that? Well, God, he is ultimately in control, but we live in a world controlled by sin. In the airways, the prince of those airways are Satan. We have free will. We're not living in heaven. We're living on earth. And I can't answer all those questions. And those are just questions. Those are big questions. Those are huge questions. And I can't even stand here and give you all the answers and tell you why all of that happens. But I do know this, no matter how evil or how dark it gets, God knows your name. And at the end of the journey, if you know him, that's what matters more than anything. Do I pray against all of those things I just listed? Absolutely. Do I hurt? And when people tell me their stories, does it hurt my soul? Absolutely. Do I question? Absolutely. Do I get angry? Absolutely. Do I have to check my words when I'm talking about certain individuals? Absolutely, because I'm just as real as you are. And I've got all these thoughts that go around in my mind. But I have to say, at the end of the day, I've got to get my mind off the temporal and I've got to get it on the eternal. And the eternal thought is that God has has the final say. He has the final say. So as I walk in this life, yes, I'm preparing for eternity by my choices, by my decisions, by my mindset, by my actions, and that is all highly important when it comes to life after death. Now, we're saved by grace, and I'm so grateful for that, but when you're saved by grace, your life begins to reflect that, and it prepares you for the days ahead. Now, let's look just a moment at what happened after both of these men passed. The rich man, he goes to hell. A place where it's lived out moment by moment, being separated from God. Probably the most tragic thing about eternal condemnation is knowing that God and heaven is real. And if you live like it's not, and you just hope that maybe something good's gonna happen at the end of the day, how disappointed you could be. But he lived it out moment by moment, separated from God. Torment and inability to get away from it. That's the part of the story that our culture today rejects. In preparing for this message, I even read some studies, some research and looked in scripture where people tried to say, well, heaven is real, but then death, it's just over. Nothing, you're just gone, cease to exist. And they were really trying to prove it in a good manner. But can I tell you, it just doesn't make sense when you read the scripture. It doesn't make sense at all. There's two sides to it. Scripture will tell us. You can go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 33. It talks about how you will not be able to escape the judgment of hell, talking about the snakes and the son of vipers and those who are against God. Mark chapter 9, verse 43, also talks about that unquenchable fire. Second Peter chapter 2, it says, For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. So if you just cease to exist, then why are they still in existence? Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, Then death and Hades were thrown into the the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into that lake of fire. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how horrible the thought is, hell is a reality when it comes to eternity. Now, I got to tell you, when I preach on the subject of hell, I think back of growing up. My mom and dad, they can go there with me. I loved my pastor from way back when, Brother Russell. Man, love to hear him preach. I mean, he was fiery. 
hell brimstone. I don't know if he did, but as a child, as I look back, I'm pretty sure that when he spoke on hell, he turned the heat up as hot as he could get it in the church. I mean, he would just give you everything he had. I mean, I'm telling you, I'd already been saved five times the week before, and I was getting saved all over again. Because, man, I was scared. I was scared that I was going to go to hell after he got through preaching. So I'm like, yes, Brother Russell, I give my life to Jesus Christ. You know, and, of course, I love him, and he taught us so much. But I'm not the hell fire brimstone guy because I don't want to scare you out of hell. And that's not what my point is even today. If you, if you take that in this message, you're seeing it so wrong. My point is to love you into heaven through the love of Jesus Christ. But I gotta give you this story. I gotta give you both sides. I gotta tell you that heaven is real and that hell is real. And the scripture says it's real. And I pray that no one, no one, no one would ever choose to take that risk and live a life without Jesus Christ. Lazarus. Suffered greatly, rejected as the Gentiles, looked down upon, poor in every manner, spiritually, physically, financially. But again, no matter the circumstances on earth, he had a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And the outcome for him far outweighed anything that he had faced on this oar. Maybe that's for someone today where you feel like, I just can't. Pastor, I'm just so tired of where I'm at. And it's hard, and it's difficult, and I just don't know. Doubt gets the best of me. Anxiety gets the best of me. I just, it's so, so heavy, and I just don't know. Maybe this word's for you today in the sense that the Lord is speaking to you. Perhaps you feel emotionally, mentally like Lazarus, where you're just down for the count, and dogs are licking up the wounds on your body. Maybe you feel that low, but can I tell you? I can't tell you why. I can't tell you how. I can't tell you when. But I know that God knows your name, and he wants you to have eternity in mind. He wants you to keep living your best. He wants to keep working in your life. He wants to bring you out of that where you're at right now, and he wants you to thrive. I truly believe that. God wants you to thrive. But have eternity in mind that all of that we're doing right now, it's just temporary. It's just temporary because eternity is real. And heaven is for every single person who would choose to embrace the grace of God. Again, when I think about this story, the rich man representing the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees, they were given an abundance of wealth, not just in money, but in knowledge and in wisdom of the word and of the scripture. But yet they could not see the truth when the truth was right in front of them. And so they were not a wise steward of what God had given them and they missed out on the greatest opportunity that anyone could ever have. By not believing in Christ, not walking in a relationship with Jesus and not yielding their life to God, the rich man and all who would do the same missed the opportunity that had been given to not only be blessed themselves but to be a blessing to others. So once more, think about the rich man. His wealth and his pedigree caused him to walk in pride and arrogance. He lived with this feeling of being superior over others. He lived as though the wealth and the knowledge that he had was all that he needed. He did not show mercy in his life. He really didn't walk in any type of sense of real purpose. His mind was on the temporary, and it was very worldly, and it was a very costly decision to make. He was not wise with what God had given him.
I would look to you and say, can we be the opposite and be wise with the cross of Calvary? Can we be wise with the grace of God? Can we be wise with the love of Jesus? Can we be wise with the abundant life that he proposes to all of us who will walk with him? Can we be wise and say, I'm gonna believe the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel message, and I'm gonna give my life to him and in every measure? As we get ready to pray here, again, this season has caused you and I to do much thinking. Again, you've heard me say it over and over, and I wish I didn't have to say it, but it's just the reality of where we're at. We live in a toxic culture. Deception, lies, hatred, violence, destruction, devastation, all of that working against us. And even the thought of all of this, I believe it eventually gets to our minds and it's gonna cause us to ponder eternity. I wanna tell you this morning, don't let these things that are temporary get the best of you. Don't let them cause you to be spiritually blind as the rich man. Don't let them cause you to be distracted where you don't use what God has given you. Don't let it cause you to not see the needs around you and what needs to be done. Don't let these things silence who you are in Christ. Silence your voice, silence your belief, silence your testimony. Don't let these things get into your home and keep your home from having joy and peace and life and abundance. Don't let these things that are in temporary weigh you down and keep you from knowing God in a genuine way and ultimately keeping you away from him for all eternity. But go ahead and grab a hold of the truth of Jesus, the eternity that he wants to give you, the life that he wants to give you and experience your best life possible. No need today on holding off any longer. No need to have fear, anxiety, control in your life. No need to live in condemnation. And when we talk about eternity and we talk about death and we talk about those things that go on around us, no need to fret. Just know that God has got you covered. But there is a reality. And the bottom line, you're either taking one path or you're taking the other. And no one chooses that except for you. Why would you not want to choose the love and the grace of Jesus Christ? Why would you not want eternity with him and live a life every day in him? Why would you want to risk like the rich man and live in a very flippant, spiritually blinded manner? Just go ahead and say, I'm going to have an eternal mindset and live for Christ every single day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for just everyone that's here in person, online, and for the word that's been given. I never fully understand, God, how the word is going to land, what it's going to accomplish, and how it's going to sprout up in one soul. But I believe today, as the truth of your word has been spoken, lives are being changed. There's people here in the sanctuary. They had no clue. I had no clue what was going to happen. But Father Lord, you were right on target. And you spoke. And now it's time for them to respond to that. I know online there are many who will listen to this now and later. There will those who will try to argue the thought those who will try to distract us of what the truth really is. But I pray, Father Lord, for everyone right now 
that's pondering in their heart and their mind of where they're at and where their walk is. May every single person choose you, choose life. Choose life. Choose eternal life with Christ. Today, Father Lord, is very targeted for a reason only you know. And I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone will receive it just as you gave it. In your name. With your heads bowed, I'm just really compelled, obviously, today to give the opportunity for every single person here to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand so I can see who I'm praying with, and I want to just be able to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask, call you to the front. I'm not going to point you out in any manner other than just praying with you as you give your life to Christ. When it comes time for you to be water baptized and you make that public confession of faith, well, we're going to celebrate what God is doing in you and we're going to see God doing awesome work. But right here, right now, this moment, this is the moment where there are those who need to genuinely give their life to Christ and choose him. So if that's you this morning, right where you're at, would you just lift your hand because I want to see who I'm praying with in the balcony here on the floor. Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, man, I, I needed that word this morning because my life has been really fickle and I want to be in a right place with God. And today I'm giving him my life and I want to spend eternity with him. On the floor, thank you for those that are helping me in the balcony. Take just a moment. Online. Anybody online right now watching this, you need to accept Christ. I want to lead you in this prayer. Amen. Amen. Church family, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you to help me walk with you each and every day, to grow in your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me as I am and for being my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him a praise offering here this morning? Amen. The worship team is going to begin to sing. Our prayer team is going to come. I really feel like the second part of this prayer today, it just really resonated in my spirit as I was presenting the word. There are some of you that you just feel like you're in a place where it is incredibly difficult. You know God is listening, but sometimes you've questioned yourself if you believe that. And I just got to tell you, God knows where you're at to get your mind off the temporary and get it on the eternal and let God really start doing a work inside of you. This pandemic season will pass. Your financial hardship will pass. The health issues that you're dealing with, they will pass. The struggles that are very real, they will pass. And we're gonna believe with God that your life is gonna see some tremendous change, amen.